0: Well, good morning again. So glad that you are here joining us online and in in person together today. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series entitled, In the Beginning, God. As we've done over the past couple of weeks, let's read Genesis 1-1 together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Over the past couple of weeks, we have Study the importance of recognizing that everything begins with God. As the Lord declares in Revelation 1 verse 8, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. God is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and and the Omega. You and I can't walk through the book of beginnings and origins without first beginning with our Creator, God. And that's what we've looked at over the past couple of weeks, and that's what we're going to continue to look at this morning. God's Word makes it clear. God is, God was, and God always will be. Last week, we began to walk through the different days of creation. First, we looked at a couple of um, man-made theories that have come to help try to reconcile God's Word with science. We looked at the gap theory. We looked at the day-age theory. And while both of those sound like good theories, there is no evidence in God's Word that either one of those is true. Then we began looking at the different days of creation. We looked at the first four days of creation. Day one, light was created and divided from darkness. On day two, the waters were divided. On day three, the land was divided from the sea and vegetation was created. Then on day four, the sun, moon, and the stars were created. Now this morning, we are going to begin looking at the beginning of animal life as well as at the pinnacle of God's creation, humanity, man and woman. We know that God created everything for his pleasure, for his people, and for his praise. Our message. and his praise. Our message point this morning is this. God is the majestic creator of all life. God created all life. Despite what we've been taught, life did not evolve from goo to you. It did not start 14.5 billion years ago with a great explosion from a small singularity of infinite denseness and heat. Life began when God spoke life into existence. Notice our first point this morning is this. Day five, God created the creatures of the sea and the birds of the air. Let's begin reading together. We're going to read um, Genesis chapter one. Um, finish the chapter um, this morning, but we'll look at verses 20 through 31 together and kind of just walk through these verses as we get to each point and subpoint. But we're going to look at the first three verses to to begin with our first four here 20 through 23 and god said let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens so god created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the water swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind and god saw that it was good and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. So on day five, life comes into existence because God spoke it into existence. He provided the perfect environment for life to exist, He provided the perfect conditions for life to exist, He provided the biological and chemical reactions necessary for life to exist. Everything that was needed to sustain life was created over the first four days of creation. There was light, air, water, soil, nutrients, and vegetation, to name a few things. And on day five, God would fill the sky and the sea with life. So notice our first subpoint: it is this, the creation of life. Again, in verse 20, we read, and God said, let the water swarm With swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth. Across the expanse of the heavens. So in verse 20. God speaks life into existence. This is the very first mention of the word life in God's Word. And, and, and we're told that water swarm with swarms of living creatures. Translated, that means it did not happen over a period of millions or billions of years. It happened instantaneously. The wor- Hebrew word for life is nefesh, which means soul or breath. Nefesh refers to that which breathes as a living being. So in verse 21, we are told that God created the great sea creatures and every winged bird. Folks, I hope there is not a believer in this room this morning that does not believe that great sea creatures once filled our oceans and that dinosaurs once roamed our land and that pterodactyls once flew and traversed through our skies. We read in Psalm 104, verses 25 and 26, here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. So on day five, God created a sea creature so big that it was able to swallow a man who lived inside the belly of that sea creature for three days and three nights. Who was that person? Jonah. We don't know what that sea creature was. Most people speculate that it was probably a well. Um, there's a couple of marine biologists out of San Diego that says that it's probably a great white shark that swallowed Jonah. We don't know, but what we do know is we do know that this is a, a true story because it's found in God's Word. When I was a student pastor at First Baptist Church of Wiley, there was a Bible class that was taught at, at, on, on Wiley High School. That was the only high school back in those days, so that tells you how old I am right there. Um, but each pastor would take six weeks in, in, um, during one semester and six weeks during the next semester, and we would teach through the different books of the Bible. And, and there was a lady that went before me, and she taught through some of the minor prophets, and she taught the class about Jonah. Well, I followed her, and when I showed up on day one, we began to talk, and one of the students said, You know, such and such person said that Jonah isn't a true story. Well, basically what I had to do is I had to correct everything that that lady had taught that class. But um, here's the deal. Jonah is a true story because it's found in God's Word. If it were not a true story, then would Jesus had referred to it whenever he spoke of his resurrection? We read in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, for just as Jonah was 3 days and 3 nights in the belly of that great fish so will the son of man be 3 days and 3 nights in the heart of the earth we have no idea what size fish that or what kind of fish that was but we know it's true because it's found in God's word if there's someone in this room that has a hard time believing that a fish existed that was that big, then remember that our big God created all things into existence. So it can absolutely, and it did absolutely happen. We're also told that, that, that God created um, the animals based on their kinds. In verse 21, we read, so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the water swarm." according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Notice that the aquatic life and the bird life reproduce after its kind. This means that a bird is not going to reproduce with a fish, or a dog is not going to reproduce with a cat, or a horse is not going to reproduce with a hippo, because those are two different species their chromosomes do not match up. In fact, we read last week in Genesis 1.11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. Even plant life has reproductive boundaries. We Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, but God gives it a body. And as he has chosen into each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. And evolutionists would tell you that you went from a blob to you. But God's word clearly tells us that God created species based upon their kind and gave species reproductive boundaries. Notice next, creation is called to multiply. In verse 22 and 23 we're reading, God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. So what did God do here? God blessed his creation and he instructed his creation to multiply. So he instructed the animals within the sea and the birds of the air to multiply and to reproduce. You remember last week we walked, as we walked through day four, kind of wrapped up that message. We talked about how God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. The Milky Way contains about 100 billion stars. It is one of between 100 and 200 billion known stars. Galaxies. Some of those galaxies contain a handful of millions of stars, up to trillions of stars. Last week, I said the largest galaxy discovered to date was IC one o one one o one, and it is thought to contain over one hundred trillion stars. Yesterday, as I was just kind of. Um, you know, just kind of looking over the message and just um, just kind of trying to fine-tune some things. I came across a website that indicated this past week that there was another galaxy discovered by the name of Alciunus, and it is 160 times larger than our Milky Way. It is four times larger than the largest known galaxy at the time, I see 1101. Remember, in Psalm 147, we are told that our great God, who spoke each of the trillions of stars into existence, knows each of them by name. He determines the number of the stars, he gives to all of them their names. Absolutely amazing. But what is even more amazing is this we are told of the sparrow, that small, little, insignificant sparrow that God knows every day of its existence. Every, well, that sparrow will not fall out of the sky without God knowing. We read in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father. Jesus also declared that the birds of the air are fed by God the Father in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Don't you think that if God pays such close attention to the birds of the air, he's going to pay even more attention to you and me, the pinnacle of his creation? Absolutely, he does. On day six, God created the animals of the earth and man to govern over the earth. As we walk through our next section of Scripture, notice that God first created the land animals. Verses 24 and 25, we read, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So on day six, God created animals based on their kind, created the livestock, so cows and sheep, and goats and horses and etc. He created creeping things like spiders and snakes and roaches and centipedes and all of those things. Those things went from creeping to being creepy after the fall, right? I don't like roaches. I don't like spiders. I don't like snakes, any of those things like that. But God created the creeping things or the creepy things, however you want to describe D- decl- dis- d- decipher that. He also created the beasts of the earth: the elephants, the hippos, the giraffes, the woolly mammoths, the dinosaur class, the cerapods. Now we already looked at the great sea creatures, and now we are told that God created the beasts of the earth. I want to read to you from one commentary: Henry M. Morris, um, speaking of, of of day five and day six wrote this, the first animals specifically mentioned as a product of this act of creation were the great whales or great sea monsters, as most translations render the Hebrew word pananim. It is significant, however, that this same word is most frequently translated dragon. Evidently, the term includes all large sea creatures, even the monsters of the past that are now extinct. Even though, though the Bible doesn't speak about dinosaurs, that does not mean that dinosaurs did not once roam the earth. There's been a lot of believers over the course of, of human history that, that does not that do not believe in dinosaurs. Well, we have fossil evidence that proves that dinosaurs once roamed this earth, right? And and we're told not only that dinosaurs roam this earth, we know that by science, but scripture says, this describes these, these, these dinosaurs or tannin or whatever as beasts or dragons, as behemoth, Leviathan. In Job chapter 40 verses 15 through 18 we read, behold behemoth, which I made as I made you. He's grass like an ox. Behold his strength in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs like bars of iron. What does that sound like? Sounds like a dinosaur, doesn't it? We're also told in Job 41, we read, Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hands on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Behold, the hope of a man is false. He is laid low even in the sight of him. No one is so fierce that he dares to stir him up. Who then is he who can stand before him? The description of of, of this Leviathan or these beasts kind of remind me of the movie franchise Jurassic Park. How many of you like Jurassic Park? I love watching Jurassic Park. I love love watching those dinosaurs, not not so much what they do to people, but just the grandeur of them as Hollywood has reproduced them for, for our enjoyment. But when God created dinosaurs, we need to remember that they were grand in appearance, but they were as gentle as a lamb, weren't they? It was not until after the fall that all of creation suffered and changed. You know why God created animals? He created them for his pleasure, for his praise, and for his people. Animals were created on day five and six, not as a source of food, but as a source of enjoyment for Adam and Eve and God's creation. However, after the fall, that would change. Many animals became carnivores, as did man. Does that, means that mean that animals no longer bring pleasure to us? Of course they still do, right? Um, like many of you in my family, we've got some animals. We've got a dog and a cat. Our dog is named Chip. We love Chip. Chip is not the smartest dog in the world. Okay, if you've ever been to our house, you know that he barks like he's some ferocious wolf when you knock on the door. But when you walk in our house, man, he's going to love on you for for however long that you were there. But we have Chip because he brings great joy and companionship and pleasure to our family. We also have a cat. I have no idea why we have a cat. Danny would tell you because you bought the cat, which I did. But all that cat does is bring destruction to our house, not pleasure. Some of you are cat lovers, and God bless you, okay? Um, you, can, you, can, you can keep your cat, okay? Um, so we know that, that God created animal life. Okay, now not, let's look at the pinnacle of his creation. God created man in his image. In verses 26 and 27 we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So when God created man, did you notice what he says here? He says, let us make man in our image. We're reminded here that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all played a role in creation. The name for God in Genesis 1-1, as we looked at a couple of weeks ago, is Elohim. And this word literally means, this name given to our God, is not, means not just one, but he is more than one. You and I were created in the image of God. And only man and woman are created in the image of God. No other created being is able to enjoy that classification as we are. Animals um, are not, sea creatures were not, the birds of the air were not, only you and me, only man and woman. What does it mean that we have been created in the image of God? Well, it means this. You and I have the ability, like God, to think to reason, to have conversations. We can build things. I mean, think about some of the great things that we have built over, you know, humanity's existence. Um, The pyramids, large buildings. We can create computers and write code. We can write music, play instruments, or some of you can, and we can paint and sculpt. As humans, we have the ability to construct beautiful things And we have the ability to love really well. But we also, because of the fall and the presence of sin, we can hate, we can destroy, we can wage war, and we can kill, can't we? We have the ability to do great things, but we also have the ability to do destructive things because of the fall. Notice um, next we see God's command to man. We read in verses 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the living things that move on the earth. God created the sexes on day six. He created man and he created woman. The first two of God's creation we know are Adam and Eve. They would become the parents of all living, right? God commanded them to multiply and to fill the earth. This was God's original intent for the sexes, and this is still his intent today. Despite what Hollywood and others say, even some preachers, some churches, and some denominations that have come to embrace homosexuality as the cultural norm, God's Word makes it clear that it is not normal, and it was not God's design for humanity. Homosexuality is a product of the fall. It was not what God intended, nor is it what God blessed or blesses. It is something that has been birthed from a sinful place. And its endorsement is equally sinful. Now, I know that this is not popular speech today. I know that you're not going to hear this a lot from our pulpits today. But this is what God's word makes clear. He created man and woman. And he commanded man and woman to reproduce, right? Does that mean that we are to cast stones At those who practice homosexuality or at those who are gender confused? Absolutely not. If you do that, then shame on you. We are called to demonstrate the love of Christ to all people, regardless of who they are or how they identify. Jesus did not cast stones at the woman caught in adultery, did he? He told her to go and sin no more. You and I are not to cast stones We are to point people to Jesus and let the Spirit of God reveal the truth about sexuality as found and determined in God's Word, not as determined by man, not as determined by our government, but as determined, found, based on God's Word. We're going to spend some time talking about marriage and talking about um, the fall and, and, and such in the coming weeks. But what we're told here is that God told both Adam and Eve to multiply and to fill the earth. Biologically, this can only be accomplished between one man and one woman. In closing this morning, God gives man dominion over creation. And we read here in verses 28 through 31. And God said to them, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food So we are called in this passage to not only be fruitful and multiply, but we are called to subdue the earth and to have dominion over the earth, right? Um, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves. This was a pre-fall mandate that was given to Adam and Eve. He called on them to steward his creation and, and, and his, his, his creatures well. But we know that after the fall, things have kind of gotten a little out of whack. At the conclusion of day six, the Lord did not just say that it was good. He said that it was very good. Meaning, he looked down at his creation, at at everything that he had created. Especially at you and me. And he said, it is good. Folks, you are good. Because you have been created by god and you are loved by god in six days everything that you and i see today god created the heavens and the earth light was divided from darkness during day one on day two the waters were separated day three the land was divided from the sea and vegetation was created On day four, the sun, moon, and stars were created. On day five, God created the creatures of the sea and the birds of the air. And then on day six, God created the animals of the earth and man to govern over the earth. And remember, of all of God's creation, you are the pinnacle of his creation. In Job 33, 4, we read, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me God created you, and God breathed into you life. We have been created to know God, and we have been created to make him known. I pray that if you are here this morning and you do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that today you will make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to repent of your sins and to cry out to Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you this morning to come and make the greatest decision that you could ever make. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Do you know Jesus this morning? If you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? The Bible makes it clear that you're going to spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. For those that have entered into a relationship with Jesus, they will spend eternity in heaven. For those that have chosen not to know Jesus, they will spend eternity separated from Jesus in a real place called hell. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if there is a decision that you, want, that you need to make, I want to invite you this morning to come and surrender your life to Jesus. Come and, and say, I, I, I want to be a Christian today and I would love to share with you more about how you can do that let's stand together I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer and then I want to invite you to come let's pray father God we come before you this morning again thanking you for another opportunity to gather in your house to worship you father thank you for your word father thank you for creating and speaking into life all things But father thank you for creating us Thank you for creating every man, woman, student, and child that's in this room. Everyone that's joining us online, thank you for giving us the breath of life. And with the breath that you have given us, you have given us a yearning to know you. And I pray that if there is someone here in this room this morning that is experiencing a God-shaped void in their life where they are just trying to figure out what life is all about, what their existence is all about. I pray that today, Father God, that you will make yourself known to them and make yourself um, just just help them to know that you are there so that they can enter into a relationship with you. May today be the day of their salvation. Father, move now during this time of invitation. For In Jesus' name we pray.